Welcome to First Presbyterian Church of Evanston. This Sunday's sermon was given by Senior Pastor, Reverend Dr. Ray Hilton. If you'd like more information about First Presbyterian Church of Evanston, please visit firstpresevanston.org. So in whatever language you are reading 2 Corinthians 4 this morning, there is great, great power in these words for us this morning. You know, for the past few Sundays, we have been doing our best to sort of mine from this rich, rich text, encouragement for our church. We've been calling the series Encouragement for a Graceful Church. And again, I want to remind us again why we are reading the Bible in this way. Before the Bible was God's word to us, it was God's word to others. And in this case, it would be for those Christians who were living in Corinth. But we believe that the scripture, though, has what we call timeless truths. And so even though we're not in 51 or 52 AD, we're in 2021 AD, we really believe that the encouragement that is found in these words are for us today. And so I continue to encourage you to read Holy Scripture because it is through the Scriptures that you and I will know this God who loves us. And it is in the reading of Scripture that we will find great encouragement. So on this World Communion Sunday where we remember our oneness in Christ with Christians everywhere, I want to draw your eyes to two slices of bread. And maybe you didn't see the bread, but at the beginning there's a slice of bread, and at the end of the reading there's a slice of bread, and in between is all the vegetables, and maybe no meat, just vegetables. And the message there for us at the beginning and the end is very, very powerful. And the fact that Paul mentions it twice, he has this beautiful sandwich for us, and he mentions it twice in verse 1 and in verse 16, do not lose heart. Do not lose your enthusiasm. Do not lose your passion for God's people and God's church. Do not allow your motivation to continue to walk with God, be undermined by, by adversity. Do not quit. Do not quit, first prayers. Do not give up. And you say, well, pastor, why are you telling us this? Why would Paul tell the church in current that same message? What would cause Christians to lose heart and to give up? Well, again, if you look at the text, and you could see it in the, in the bulletin, you could open up the Bible and see there are so many reasons listed there as to why these events that they were enduring could actually uproot them. And in many ways, when Paul said these words, he was also speaking to himself because he said, we will not lose heart. We commend ourselves to everyone. We will not lose heart. What are some of the reasons why he's saying that? Well, one clear reason, and you'll see it in a moment, is that the church was enduring what I would call today unethical leadership. The church was enduring persecution. And we in this part of the world don't really, we know the word, don't we? But we don't know the experience of what persecution feels like because of your faith. 
but you ask some of the folks who are here, whether they're from Iraq or from Yemen or they're from Egypt or they're from Pakistan or India, and they will tell you what persecution feels like when you follow Christ. Christians living in Palestine, and they want to run. Suffering is another reason why some of us just think, you know what, I'm done. Paul said in a letter that he wrote to some Christians in Ephesus, he says, I pray therefore that you do not lose heart. Same word that he uses in 2 Corinthians 4. I pray that you don't lose heart over my sufferings for you. Now the reason why some people give up, it's because of conflict. And this church knew a lot of conflict. Now the reason why some of us give up, it's because of sickness. Sickness has a way of not only degrading the body, but it degrades the mind and the spirit. And then there are temptations. And there are distractions. And there is rejection. And there is failure and sin. And you feel like, I can't do this anymore. And we could go on and on with the list of reasons why we have to keep encouraging each other, don't quit. Don't quit. Because at various points along the way, we're all tempted to just give up on life, to give up on faith, to give up on our calling. And I'm wondering this morning if I'm speaking to anyone who is in a situation like that. So let me leave with you, before we come to this beautiful communion table, four compelling reasons, I think, in the text. I call them Christ-centered reasons. Why we as Christians, this is not the time for giving up. This is not the time to walk away. This is not the time to wave the white flag of defeat because of who Jesus is. Four compelling reasons, and let me quickly share them with you. The first one, as I see it in the text, is that Jesus never fails. Now, why do I say that? Because Paul then is continuing to respond to his critics. And in so doing, he talks about his integrity versus the integrity of those false leaders and false teachers. And if you have your Bibles open, I would encourage you to look at verse 2. And he says, we, and when he uses the word we, I think he's saying, in contrast to those other leaders, we have renounced the shameful things. Now, we don't know what those shameful things are, but he says we've renounced them. The shameful things that one hides. We, we refuse, he says, to practice cunning or to falsify or to distort God's word. What is he saying, church? He's saying that not everyone is living the way of truth. Not every leader is walking in the way of truth. And then he makes this amazing statement. Not everyone, by the, by the open statement of the truth, commends themselves, and this is a very important statement, commends themselves to the conscience of everyone in the sight of God. When I read that, I just basically hear Paul saying, not everyone is willing to live their lives as if it's an open book. God can see the pages of my life. You can see the pages, or we can see the pages of each other's life. That is what Paul is getting at here. 
that there is a deficit of integrity within that church among the leaders. And when leaders do shameful things, when leaders are crafty and dishonest, sure, for the moment it benefits them. But those actions can cause God's people to want to give up. So Paul says, don't give up because Jesus never fails. While some leaders live in the shadows and practice deceit, Paul says, look, look, let, let, let's look to Jesus. Let's look at Jesus. Jesus is the true leader. Jesus is the head of the church. Fix your eyes on Jesus and on leaders who follow Christ. Because you see, friends, leaders will come and leaders will go and leaders will stumble and leaders will fall because leaders are just flesh and bone. Frail creatures of the dust, the psalmist calls us. And one of the ways to spot crafty leaders is to notice who they headline, who they proclaim. And generally, unethical leaders, they want to turn the Klieg lights on themselves. They're always champion, championing themselves. But not so with Christ. Christ became a servant. Jesus, the writer of Hebrews says, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And then Paul says in verse 5, we, again, he's contrasting himself with the unethical leaders in that church. He said, we do not proclaim ourselves. We proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your slaves. And that's what that word literally means. We are your slaves for Jesus' sake. So he says to them, don't, don't lose heart. Look to Christ. Second reason he gives us, he says, basically, and these are how I'm reading it, is that when you keep your eyes on Jesus, not only does he not fail you, but Jesus has supreme power. And it's in verse 7 that he then refers to himself. He says, we have this treasure in jars of clay. And the best way I could describe jars of clay in that culture is what we today call single-use cups. You go to McDonald's and you order a big, tall drink. And when you're done with that cup, you don't rinse it out and put it in your cabinet with the china, do you? Right? You say, oh, and hopefully you recycle it. That's what Paul is saying. Clay jars, fragile, expendable, cheap. He says, I'm just an ordinary, everyday utensil that God decides to use. I'm vulnerable. I'm weak. I suffer. I get sick. I can die. I will decay. And maybe that's why in verses 8 and 9, he talks about these storms. If you really want to read about the, the the, the, the afflictions that Paul went through, and we, we won't get to that in our reading as we go through the series, but you could go to 2 Corinthians chapter 11 where Paul lists the variety of suffering that he went through. But here he summarizes it for us. He says we're afflicted in every way, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed, 
but we're not driven to despair. We're persecuted, but we're not forsaken. We're struck down, but we're not destroyed. And I'm just wondering again, is anyone here feeling like you're in a storm where you're being where you're afflicted and you're persecuted and you're perplexed and you feel so, so flattened by what's happening to you. And you know the beautiful thing Paul does? Instead of giving a motivational speech, a rah-rah speech, what does he do? Again, he points to the Messiah, Jesus. And he says, notice what, what he says about Jesus in verse 11. He says, for while we live, we're always been given up to death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus may be made visible in our mortal flesh. So even though we are like clays, jar clays, or clays of jars, jars of clay, even though we're vulnerable, we're susceptible, we're weak, he talks about this super extraordinary power that belongs to God. And when Paul was talking about his sickness, and he said in chapter 12, I believe, of 2 Corinthians, he said, three times I came to God about my sickness, and I said, God, take it away. God, take it away. God, take it away. Please heal me. And each time God said, no, no, no. And what did God say to Paul as he was being flattened by his circumstances? He said, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in your weakness. Jesus has the power to renew us even as we're going through the storm and the difficulties of life. And I wish I could tell you here today, this is, this, this, this is one of the, the fallacies of the health and wealth gospel uh, message. It's the idea that somehow because of faith you're going you're gonna to avoid all the troubles of life. And I'm telling you that is, that is so far from the truth that it is because of your faith it is because you're seeking to follow Jesus that you and I will suffer in this life. But I want you to remember that Jesus suffered before you and for you, and he has the power to strengthen you as you go through your difficulties. Amen to that. But there's another reason why he says we must look to Jesus when things get hard and we don't quit. It's not only because he doesn't fail. It's not only because he has the power to strengthen us. It's because of what Jesus did with death. Jesus defeated death. Look at verse 14. He says, because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus, and I just love this line, and will bring us with you into his presence. Jesus is not going to forget you. He's going to bring us with him. He's going to plant us in the presence of Christ, in the presence of God. So don't give up. Don't give up. Jesus rose again from the dead. He defeated the greatest enemy. And it's the enemy called death. And if that's true, then notice what he says in verse 14. In verse 13, we have the same spirit of faith. The same spirit of faith that is in accordance with Scripture. And this is a beautiful line. I believed, and so I spoke. You know where that came from? Psalm 116 and verse 10. Here's what Psalm 116 and verse 10 says. I kept my faith when I said I was greatly afflicted. Think about that. He could have said, I kept my faith 
when I heard that I got a promotion. I kept my faith when I discovered that I'm going to move to a bigger house. No, he says, I kept my faith. That's what the psalmist says, 116 and verse 10. When I said I'm greatly afflicted. So what Paul is saying, in the midst of all my afflictions, I'm walking by faith. I'm believing in the power of Jesus' resurrection over anything that can take my life. You know, there's this beautiful line, beautiful line from one of the confessions that we confess on a regular basis here in this church. And the, the, the question asks, what is my only comfort in life and in death? And the statement goes on and says that I am fully, I fully belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. That is faith as I'm being afflicted, as I'm being buffeted. I'm keeping my faith in the resurrection that not even death can cause me to quit. Paul gives one final reason for, what, for not quitting, and this is just my favorite. We look to Jesus because he never fails us when leaders fail us. We look to Jesus because he gives us the strength, because he has the power to strengthen us in our weakness. We look to Jesus by faith, knowing that he overcame death on our behalf because he lives, we will live. But the final reason for not quitting is that Jesus knows our future. You know, last week a funny thing happened. We were having lunch with a family from this church, and their little daughter is just a bright little girl, and she was asking all these questions that kids ask, sort of a knock-knock, who's there kind of questions, and she asked this one question, and most of the adults at the table did know the answer. She said, what goes up and never comes down? And, you know, all the adults, in my mind, I said, taxes. You know, that's the adult answer, right? But after several wrong answers, and she told her sister, don't answer, don't answer, the little girl said, what goes up and never comes down? Your age. I said, yeah, why didn't I think of that? Your age. That's what Paul is describing here in this closing section of the reading. He describes our existence as wasting away. Literally, it means as we live, we're being ruined, we're being destroyed. And you know, for many people, just the awareness that they're aging, the awareness that that physical de de decline within their bodies, it makes them anxious and it makes them cling very, very futilely to their youth, thinking that if they can just put on more stuff and wear tighter clothes and get bigger muscles, that somehow they're still going to exude that youthfulness. The Stoic philosopher Marcellus Aurelius Speaking from much of the Greco-Roman world of that time, they had a very pessimistic view of death and the life to come. He said, he said that all is left, talking about our existence when we die, he says all that is left is dust and ashes and bones and stench. And Paul said to the Marcus Aureliuses of the world, he said, no, no. He says, even though our outer nature is wasting away, our inner nature is being renewed day by day. And what is he doing here? What is he saying? He's summing up two things, life in this world and life in the age to come. And he says, as long as we live in this age, yes, we're going to be wasting away. We will suffer. We're going to die. But this is not all there is. There is this age to come. That's why Jesus came and announced the kingdom. 
We're going to suffer in this world. But there's a time of renewal and restoration coming. And then I love verse 17. First prayers, I would encourage you to memorize verse 17. For this slight, this is how he describes this age, this slight momentary affliction. And you say, well, Paul, you don't know what I'm going through. You're calling what I'm going through slight. You're calling it momentary. Paul says, yes, my brother, yes, my sister, it is slight. It's momentary. It's not forever. It's preparing us for the age to come, an eternal weight of glory beyond all measure. And he gives the reason why in verse 18, because we look not at what can be seen. And oh my God, help us, because that's where so many of us are. That's the tragedy of this time, right? That our eyes can only see what can be seen. And we must pray, Paul says, don't just focus on what can be seen, but at what cannot be seen. And that's what the writer in Hebrews said of Moses, that he saw that city. Abraham saw that city whose builder and maker is God, and they kept moving forward by faith because what can be seen is temporary. But what cannot be seen, cannot be seen. God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit cannot be seen. The souls of our brothers and sisters who have died and joined the church universal cannot be seen. The promises of God that are yet to be fulfilled cannot be seen. Heaven itself cannot be seen. But Paul says... Keep your eyes on the things that cannot be seen because the things that cannot be seen are eternal. And some of us have inverted it. And all we can see is what we're banking our lives on. And I'm telling you, friends, there's going to be a huge bankruptcy coming at the end when Jesus returns. In Revelation chapter 18, the writer says, fallen, fallen is Babylon. And when you look at, the, at the, the, the structure of Babylon, you look at the economy, you look at the entertainment, you look at everything about Babylon, and people were scratching their heads in wonder that this whole system has fallen. So that's why we don't quit. And I'm asking and I'm looking for some leaders from First Prayers who are not losing heart. I'm looking for some brothers and sisters in this church who say, Pastor, I won't lose heart. I'm looking to Jesus. He's my leader. Not even to Pastor Ray because he's a ball-headed bundle of failure. No. I'm not trusting in my strength. I'm looking to Jesus to strengthen me. I'm not worried about what's going on around me right now, even if I were to die because Jesus is going to take me with him. And he knows my future. And it's bright. So as we come to the communion table this morning, let us keep our eyes on Jesus. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and God's people say, 